Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of Mark, and we're in chapter 2. The chapter begins with a section entitled, Jesus Heals a Paralytic. This can also be found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So understand the level of faith that these people had to say, like, we know that Jesus is in there and we know the things that Jesus is doing and the healing and the forgiving of sins. And we know that this is our friend whom we love and we want to have him presented before Jesus. And they did whatever they could to get their friend close to him, literally digging through the roof and lowering him down. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up. Take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The next part of this chapter is entitled The Calling of Levi, and that is Matthew, the tax collector. It is his given name, Levi. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So I want to point out here why it says sinners. Tax collectors were often closely associated with sinners. They were notoriously evil people. It was typically used to describe tax collectors, adulterers, robbers, and the like. So, of course, they're asking Jesus, why are you eating with the sinners? When the teachers of the law who were with the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus is pointing out the self-righteous, especially 
don't know that they need a doctor. They don't know that they need help. But the humble, the sinners, knew that they needed salvation. The next part of this chapter is entitled, Jesus Questioned About Fasting. It can be found also in Matthew and in Luke. Now John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, John's disciples and some of the Pharisees were fasting. Some of the people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? So at the time, some Pharisees were not teachers, but they were also scribes and teachers of the law, and they did often have disciples. And at that time, during the time of Jesus, the Pharisees fasted twice a week. So this is a relevant question when they say, why are John the Baptist's disciples fasting and why are the Pharisees' disciples fasting? So Jesus answers in verse 19, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. You'll remember we discussed this in Matthew in chapter 9. Basically, uh, in ancient times, goat skins were used to hold wine. As the fresh grape juice fermented, the wine would expand and the new wine skin would stretch. But a used wine skin was already stretched and it would break. So Jesus brings a newness that cannot be confined within the old forms. That, according to my footnotes. Now picking up. In the next part of this chapter, entitled Lord of the Sabbath, also can be found in Matthew and Luke. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And like we said in the Gospel of Matthew, that story can be found in the book of First Samuel in chapter 21, when David and his companions ate the consecrated bread. Then back in 27, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now moving on to chapter three, it says another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So obviously this wasn't a debate about whether or not they believed Jesus was able to heal people because they almost expected him to be able to heal this man. They were just waiting to see if he would actually heal him on the Sabbath. So Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, 
to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians about how they might kill Jesus. Now, as a side note, the Herodians are influential Jews who favored the Herodian dynasty, meaning they were supporters of Rome, which is where they received their authority. They joined the Pharisees in opposing Jesus because they were afraid they were going to lose the authority that they had been given. Now, moving on to the next section, it's entitled Crowds Follow Jesus, also to be found in Matthew and Luke. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Now this means literally people are coming from great distances all over. The word is spreading about what Jesus is doing. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, for he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But Jesus gave them strict orders to not say who he was, so even the evil spirits recognized that he was the Son of God. Now, the next portion of the chapter is entitled The Appointing of the Twelve Apostles. And this actually lists the twelve. It can be found also in Matthew and Luke. Also, there's a list given in the book of Acts. So Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have the authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonerges, which literally means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, that completed the twelve. And in the next section, Jesus and Beelzebub. We also read about this in the Gospel of Matthew. It can also be found in the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So remember this name, Beelzebub, is a play on words. It literally means Lord of the Flies, but it was a recognition of Baal and Baal worship. But here literally it is referring to Satan. So the Pharisees are saying that Jesus is driving out demons by the authority of Satan. Jesus responds then by saying, How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, 
that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. So here Jesus is pointing out that the Pharisees are giving the credit to Satan rather than the Holy Spirit by which Jesus is driving out the demons. Like verse 30 says to end the section, he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. And then the last part of this chapter is entitled Jesus's mother and brothers. And we read about this in Matthew and can also be found in Luke. Then Jesus's mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. And he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And that ends chapter 3. We'll pick up next time in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4.